Welcome to Smart Businesses Do This, where in today's episode, we are joined by the incredible Evgenia Lyons, who is not only a seven-figure uh, sales earner herself, is not only the vice president of multiple uh, seven-figure companies, um, she is also a mother to five children and my wife. So, Eve, thank you so much Aww, for coming. Thank you for having me. You are listening to Smart Businesses Do This the podcast show for freelancers, side hustlers, and upcoming small business owners who want to transform their current business or business idea into a company that is built to succeed, simple to run, and gives you the freedom to live your life on your own terms. I'm your host, Adam Lyons. Let's get started. I appreciate it. Um, as always, this episode is sponsored by upsells.com. It is a done for you revenue solution to boost the profits in your company without having to share any of them. Um, if you want to learn more about how upsells can uh, boost the revenue of your company through your email without you having to do any of the work, uh, just go to upsells.com. So, Eve. What did you used to do before you became the vice president of a company and had to generate multiple millions of dollars every single year? Well, let me clarify. I didn't, I didn't just step in to be a vice president and running like a multi-million dollar companies either overnight, basically. It's kind of like slowly evolved and I slowly fall in that place. Uh, but before I was doing that, I was a freelance photographer, basically, right? So yeah, technically I run my own business, right? But I was kind of like my own boss. And ultimately I was just like, you know, freelancer, I would say, basically, right? More than, you know, business owner at that point. Um, and, you know, I lived in Hollywood and um, it was very competitive in that industry, in Hollywood specifically, just because a lot of people with a, you know, you know, a small camera can do it for free or do it for 50 bucks. Whereas like, it's very hard to like justify your, your fees then basically. Right. So, um, although it was still a lot of fun and I had, you know, great, met great people, uh, paying people was really hard back then, you know? <laughs> so now you had some really cool clients, right? So would you share like some of the, the more famous people that you did photography for? Um, well, again, I was in the cool sets with lots of cool people, basically. Some of them were my clients, some of them were people I was just working with at the moment, basically. But I was on sets with Paris Hilton, with the Jon Snow from Game of Thrones. Kit Harrington. Really learned his name. He learned my name on the set. So it was oh. kind of embarrassing. I don't know his. Yeah, Kit Harrington. Thank you so much. Um, uh, Nick Cannon. Um, gosh, who else? Nicki Minaj. Uh, well, you name it, you know. There Machine Gun Kelly. Machine Gun Kelly. Oh, yeah, that was a while back, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah for so. sure. But he wasn't that famous back then, you know. Like, now he's like, <laughs> stuff that a girl became famous, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So I love that, right? So, so you, you were a photographer and then of course we met and um, when we met, you were still a photographer and also doing Photoshop and also a receptionist because you had like three jobs. Well, yeah, you know, sometimes you got a girl got to pay the bills, you know, you got to juggle three jobs, you will, you know. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, when we, when, we, when we met, I had to kind of double book myself. I do one job while I'm doing other job as well too. Well, it's, of course, was, you know, okay to do basically. I wasn't losing quality on either. Uh, but nonetheless, life was stressful. And when you came along and you started introducing me to, you know, the online marketing world and the world of business, that was very eye-opening. Um, we start, I know you first ease me into doing phone sales first. And I remember at the time, I'm like, wow, I just spoke to someone on the phone and I made 50 bucks in commission <laughs> versus spending like, you know, uh, you know, 12 hours on sets for like, you know, 4X of that. I can just make four phone calls and that would be my day rate paid for me, you know? Like it was just kind of convenience of my home versus like carrying heavy equipment and stuff too, you know? So that was very inspiring at the time. And that's what I love about you. Like, um, and I think this is, you know, the first point I want to make about working with your partner. It's one thing if you start a business together 
It's a different thing if one person owns a business and they bring someone else in. And if you want to, because what we don't have in our company is animosity towards you for being my partner. And this is a thing that people get, right? You, you have a company where the girlfriend turns up and suddenly is in charge of everybody. And the employees are like, what the hell? Who is this woman? Where did she come from? Or guy, you know, in, yeah. in the reverse, they don't deserve it. You worked your way up from the lowest of the low in the company, you know, doing basic phone sales and picking up the pieces and over 10 years worked your way up to vice president. And there's, there's no one in the company that's worked here longer than you except me. No one has worked in every department like you have. I mean, you've worked in the website department, you handled graphic design, you handled tech, systems, operations, hiring, firing. I mean, you've done every role, which I always say is what it takes to make a true vice president. You're not vice president because we date, you're vice president because you deserve to be vice president. Correct. It's it, First of all, it's just how I approach everything, right? Like. I, as you know, I'm learning like piano now too, and you want to just start playing piano. I'm like, no, let me learn everything from basic, from all the chords and hand position. I'm just very thorough the way I learn things basically, right? Like, so I can't just be like, oh, until it works. Like, no, I want to learn the proper way and what have you, right? So I'm very like organized like that in a way. Um, and second of all, it's very important for me in life in general, right? Like to, to have my own achievements, to make sure that I can look at myself in the mirror and be proud of it, right? Like uh, it's very important that I, I don't, you know, I'm not vice president just because, you know, we date, I, because I earned basically, right? Like, so that way I'm earned it through getting skill sets and knowledge and stuff like this too, basically. That I feel like it's, you know, it's my model on my inside, basically. I need to have my own assets and you have my own skill set. I need to do it all by myself. Yeah, you know? and, and you did. I mean, that's, you know, this yeah. is 100% like you deserve the position, you earned it and you got there. Um, one of the big struggles that people have with a partnership is there's different types. There is partnerships that are based on we just work together and we're not dating, right? Just a, a regular partnership. Could be, um, you know, any, any two, three, or even 10 people come together in a partnership. And then you have the added complication of you date as yep. well. So let's tackle the partnership without dating first because it's still got um, interpersonal communication, which is still an issue. And then we'll add the, the dating element after. So in your mind, in general, in a partnership, where do you see the biggest conflicts arise? Good question. <laughs> um, I, I think again, because the way we run stuff like this, basically, right? Like from from now on, we kind of have experience in, in doing partnerships. We don't do that. But I think the main conflict arises when people don't outline their responsibilities properly from the start, going into partnerships, and be like, "Oh, I'll just start a business 50-50, right? And just be like, "Oh, we'll, we'll split everything together, right?" And then one partner end up doing more work than the other and gets frustrated that other doesn't does other other partner doesn't do the work that they should be doing and doesn't carrying the weight and stuff as well too, basically, right? So I feel like outlining a roles and and responsibilities, and if it's something new comes up, which sometimes happens, still discuss and be like, "Okay, cool, who's going to tackle that, basically, right? Who's best at tackling that?" I I love that. And I think, I think this illusion that we're going to do something 50-50 needs to be stricken off out of everybody's books. I've never seen a partnership that is equal 50-50. We can go to Steve Wozniak and um, yeah, we can go to Steve Jobs and you can see clearly that Steve Wozniak probably did the bulk of the work, right? Um, and, and we can look at this almost any major partnership in the world. One person is doing the bulk of the work and in fairness, may not be getting paid uh, the fair share based on what they did. But this 
is where I think it's important to understand the other side of that role. So there's a really good book called Traction that talks about rocket fuel. And rocket fuel is all about the key to a company is two people, a visionary and an integrator. Now, um, what a lot of people don't recognize is the visionary looks like the one that doesn't work hard. It's like, oh, anyone can be a visionary. You just gotta imagine it and do it. What's fascinating to me is whenever I meet an integrator without a visionary, so the integrator is the Steve Wozniak, the one that does the work, they're never successful. An integrator alone is hardworking, driven, detail-oriented, uh, innovative when it comes to the technical aspect, and seldom successful alone because they're so busy doing the thing that they never talk about it, they don't sell it correctly, or what they think is important, that is important to making it work, is not important to the buyer, and so it doesn't sell. On the flip side, the visionary spends most of their time relaxing, <laughs> chatting to people, imagining things, throwing up ideas that can't be developed. And in contrast, it's like they're not doing anything. And I think the best example of that that I can ever give is me with cooking. When, when I'm about to cook a meal, which obviously we have at home, I will sit and stare into space for I don't know. It, to me, it feels like forever, but I don't know. Yeah, how I mean, it, it takes a while. It's just like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. yeah, she'll walk in and see me staring. And what I'm doing is I'm cooking the meal about 15 to 20 different ways, trying different ingredients, applying them at different times. Like whether I put the salt on the potatoes before putting them in, a, in the oven or after will ultimately make a difference. And so I'm imagining how that's going to affect and I'm in my mind tasting both. <laughs> what it looks like is I'm staring at a brick wall and I'm in some kind of mental state and I need you know medical help. Uh, but the reason I'm saying is in our relationship, typically we look like a visionary integrator role. And so it's really easy for me to comment on the visionary because I do know that sometimes when you're staring or recharging by throwing a ball against the wall, what you're actually doing is a lot of the work. And then bouncing off the integrator, can this happen? At which point when the integrator says no, you're like, okay, back to my wall. <laughs> you know, and it's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna redesign it. Um, but what is unique, I think, about us is I'm a visionary integrator. My skill set is exactly the same for equal. I, I'm 85 and 85 out of 100. <laughs> so it's a little bit unique because I do get the importance of an integrator and, and I understand what it's like to sit down and grind. And I am as capable being that. Like I don't have to be the visionary. If I've got another visionary, then it's okay, well, I'll be the integrator and I'll, I'll get that done. But I think to your point, the conflict arises when one person perceives the other one to not be doing anything, even though actually they might be. So um, along, along those lines, I found a lot of the conflict comes when you have two visionaries being visionaries and two integrators being integrators. Have you ever seen anything like that in, in your vision of our partnerships or, or people that you've seen that you know of? Well, I mean, I know that two visionaries sometimes when they partner up, nothing gets done, right? Like you have a great chance to be like, oh, that was a great meeting, cool. Is the money there? Like, no, cool, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimately, someone needs to implement stuff too, you know? Mm -hmm. Have you ever seen two integrators? I'm curious. I, I, no, I haven't. So two is, yeah. It's very boring too, you know? <laughs> two, two integrators is really fascinating, in, in my opinion, because they both go off and build something yep. and it comes back and it they don't work together. Yeah. And so you end up with two people that have built a lot of stuff, neither of it works, and then there's like an internal argument as 
which one we're going to use. Mm -hmm. and, and so it works. I've, I've seen it a few times before, so it's, it's quite fascinating. Um, okay, so when conflict arises, which it's going to happen even in an ideal situation where the visionary knows their role, the integrator knows their role, and maybe there's two visionaries or two integrators. When conflict arises, how does that look like to you? What do you, what do you see it as? Like, when can you be like, oh, there's conflict about to happen before it happens? What's like a warning sign to you that something's gonna go wrong here? Well, I'm gonna give a very boring integrated answer is when KPI is not met. <laughs> you know, so even as a visionary, right? Even if you're, you don't, you you do most of your work in your head per se, basically, right? There's got to be some kind of output that you you produce, basically, right? If it's idea or marketing plan or what have you, right? And it's got to be measurable, basically. Otherwise, you know, it's very hard to then pinpoint, be like, oh, I'm still working, I'm still working, basically, right? So if, if you know, time goes by and there's not no no you know produce of the work then it's irrelevant basically right so yep i love it yeah so a kpis is often the warning sign that something bad is about to happen i would say yes yeah i, I not, agree not meeting them or even, not even inputting right even if you input something that is not good then we can sit down and, and talk about it and see how we can fix it but if nothing is you know outputting then there is nothing to discuss you know okay so here's an interesting one what would you say was the worst partnership that we ever entered into with somebody else and you know without naming names and in that situation when did you know okay this is done this can't continue well i used there's a lot of <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I at the point where the financial reports were not done, yep. right? So when some person says, "Hey, no, there is no revenue with all expenses," I'm like, "Well, show me to me," and people don't show it to me. I'm like, "Well, cool. I can how can I trust you?" Basically, you know. Yep. So that would be my simple PG answer. You know? Yeah, I, I think I think when financial reports are either not being shown or when they are shown, it's an Excel spreadsheet and not a real. Like, yeah. like not something inside QuickBooks or something. When, when someone's clearly made something up, that's almost always a warning sign for me that this partnership needs to end because that's trust being betrayed at, at that point for me. Um, so here's a question I've never asked that I'm curious about. For you, is there ever a, um, a warning sign early on where you look at someone and go, this is gonna suck. Cause I know that happened. There was yes. a couple of people that you were like, this There's, guy's- I mean, it's hard to pinpoint, it's just a gut feeling, right? Like I, 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 I'm kind of proud that all of the like bad ones I called out before they happened, but it's just, <laughs> It's small little things, right? As an integrator, I pay attention to details, basically, right? Like it's it's a cheesy phrase, but how you do one things, how you do everything, right? If you're late to a meeting or you don't respond or you're not paying attention, that means you're not paying attention to business either, and and so on and so forth, basically, right? So I, I'm very good at picking up small little like habits of people, even when they just social, because again, it translates to other areas of their life too, basically, right? Like so, I can't really specifically say what that is, but I just kind of like pay attention and see whether it kind of like you know how they care themselves. Basically. All right, all right, I love that. So let's move on to a more interesting subject, which is working with yeah, your spouse. That's more interesting. Right? That's the, yeah. the far more interesting. Okay. And this, I, I think even if you're not dating somebody, but if you and somebody have a close friendship, or even if there's sexual tension, I think it's gonna have the same kind of uh, same kind of issues. So you're working with your spouse, your your business partners together. How do you make sure that conflict at work doesn't come home? Oh, 
Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> it's a, even surprising that it's a question, right? It's, it's, it's a work. Work stays at work, you know? I can't bring my, my, you know, conflict on my kids at work, right? Be like, oh, this guy pissed me off at work, so I'm going to take care of my kids. Like, that's not fair. So don't take it, you know, work stays at work. Don't bring it home, you know? If, even if you have a conflict, right? Go in a, like, meeting room and resolve it at work. Don't, don't bring it home. Like, absolutely, you know, segregate it. How, how do you keep the emotion at work, though, right? If somebody, if someone's really upset with their partner, they have a meeting, it didn't really get resolved, and then they come home. Well, I like segregating my parts, basically, right? And looking at it separately, right? Because I want to make sure I'm a, you know, I'm a good mother, I'm a good, you know, um, you know, wife, and a good business partner, basically, right? So if business partnership is not working out and I'm frustrated, I have emotions and emotions towards it, what have you, right? Well, then, and if it continues doing that and doesn't, you know, um, doesn't fix itself, then we can discuss of me maybe stop being a partner, basically, right? and continue resuming being a wife and a mother, basically, per se, right? So that's why I want to carry it over, because if I do carry over that stress from my work environment into my family, well, then I'm also being not only a shitty partner, but also being a shitty wife and a shitty, you know, mother as well, too, basically, in that regard. So I prefer to keep my problems where they are. And likewise, too, right, if I'm having a tough time with kids, I'm not going to bring it over and either listen to my coworkers or, or you at work, basically, yep. either, basically, right? So I, I'm a big fan of just you know, keep your um, problems where, like, in environment they belong, basically. I love it. All right, so let's say we've we've had an issue. How can you, or you've noticed an issue? You're upset. How can you bring that up? And in what way does it get brought up? Um, well, I, again, if, if it's a business one, which I'm, I, I think what we're talking about, yeah. basically, right? Like, I will just call a meeting with you and I will just outline it. I would line my points, what I think. I, I, ideally, put out examples or, like, evidence if there's anything specific, basically, right? And discuss it with you. I'm a big fan of, you know, um, well, our mindset that we have is just that it's you and I against the problem, basically, right? It's not, well, you fucked up or I fucked up and we're going at each other because it's ultimately not helping move the problem away in any way, basically, right? And pointing out guilt, even if I fuck up, right? Like, you know, even if I made a mistake, it's irrelevant. I remember that. <laughs> Thank you. But it's, it's, it's time wasting of you pointing it out to me and be like, oh, until because of you, right? Because it's not going to resolve the problem. It's much better to be like, oh, it's okay. Let's make sure it doesn't happen again and move together as resolving the problem, even if the problem happened because someone fucked up, basically. I, I love this. Some of the most toxic relationships I've ever seen are ones where people think that the, um, the playful banter they have with their partner is helpful. I have never seen a couple have a healthy relationship that lasts. I've seen relationships that last, but not a healthy relationship that lasts. So uh, a good example is um, I knew somebody that described their partner. They, they'd been married for many years and they described him as their sparring partner. They're like, this is my sparring partner. And they had an argument every single day. They constantly fought. Um, when the relationship fell apart, which it did, there was cheating, there was insults, the, the fake animosity turned real, they moved on instantly. Like it was, it was not good, it was not healthy. But they would tell everyone, look at us, we've been together so long and you know, we, we're always making fun of each other. The best relationship I've ever seen, the ones that, that lasted a long time and I would say are healthy, there's this constant, this is the light of my life, this is perfect because we all know the way we talk about ourselves becomes real. So if I say, I'm stupid, I'm stupid, I'm stupid, I convince myself I'm stupid. Likewise, if I say, um, I can do this, I've got what it takes, I'll be like, okay, I can do this, I've got what it takes, right? That inner monologue is so powerful. But very few people take it and apply it to their partner. 
because how you internally dialogue your inner monologue about your partner is also something that sticks. So if I if I start thinking, oh, she makes dumb choices, or you know, oh, she's stupid, even if I just think it, it's only a matter of time before that starts populating everywhere. Instead, I purposely manifest. I value her opinion. She's smart. She's one of the smartest people I've met. I need to listen to what she has to say, and I repeat that in my head over and over again. And and, you know, and I'm I'm really strict with her. I'm like, there's no fake arguments between us. Like none. We're not going to do playful arguments. It's just us against the world always. And as long as, like, if someone's like, hey, we're going to divide up in teams, like guys versus girls, I'm like, okay, Eve, are we on the guy team or the girl team? I know. Because we're hate, together. Yeah, I hate those events. Be like, hey, it's women's only. Come on for brunch. I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to. Well, it's the same thing. You I was know? like, like guy events. Guy events plus you. Because like, yeah, I mean, you, you count. Uh, but I, I think, like, that's how you present a unified partnership. Like, no, no, we're at us. There's no, there's no like, okay, we're going to be separating the couples. No, no, that's not healthy. That's not going to happen. We spent our entire life trying to get together. Now we're together. You don't get to separate us. Like we will leave the event. Like we're not, we're not down for that. That's, that's an us thing. And that's really what it takes to form like a really, really deep partnership. Like, oh yeah. Well, I like, I like, yeah, I like our model. But again, it's, 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 it's hard to describe it because we've been together for so long. Basically, someone who's just starting it might be a different view for that, right? But I like that, you know, we both agree that our partners, like you and I, will come first. Before the kids, before the businesses, before anything else, basically, right? Because again, well, kids will grow up eventually and leave the nest, which will be very sad, but eventually that will happen, right? Sooner or later. Um, businesses too, you know? Business, like economy changes, but people need changes. What we're doing now, we might not be doing in the next, like, five, ten years. Like, who knows, right? Uh, but people, ideally, right? People don't, basically, right? So, at this point, you know, in our relationship, you know, I put you first, you know, below, above anything else that we do, basically, you know? So. No, I love that. And and I think, you know, it extends into partnerships as well. Like, so, I, you know, we've got a number of business partnerships. And I always say to people, the difference between my business partnerships, my private clients, and my regular clients has a very clear distinction. If you're a client, my team will do the best to serve you, and I will do the best to make sure my team are serving you and step in when needed. If you're a private client, I will be the one serving and I will make sure that I'm doing everything I can to help you and you will be in my mind constantly. I'll be like, okay, oh, this guy could do that or I could help this guy here. So as a private client, you're paying to occupy my mind on your behalf. A business partner is different. As a business partner, you get all the benefits of the other two things. Plus, I am actively out there working. So for example, um, you know, one of my partners, when I was in Brazil, I see this opportunity and I'm like, I'm going to bring this home for them. But it's often something I could use myself, but I choose to gift it to my partner because the reason I'm partnering with somebody is I want their time, knowledge, and expertise. So rather than me having to bring it home where I keep 100%, I would rather hand it to my partner, business partner, and be like, hey, this is now yours. Or even with us, if I get a, a, a potential for a large sale come in, I could close it myself and I could take the commission or I can hand it to you and say, hey, bring this one home and then you'll get the client, you'll get the commission, but also I know you'll bring it home, <laughs> um, which I think is, is a key component of partnerships. In my mind, most partnerships fail because they're based on 
we have no one else, so we should do this. I think the best partnerships are based on, no, we are the right fit to do this, so we should do this. And I think that's where you and me have a difference. Because everyone's like, oh, you know, that generic statement of don't work with your, your love interest. I think if your love interest isn't the correct person you should be partnering with. Correct, right? It, just, yeah. it shouldn't be defined whether you, you have, you know, personal relationship or not, basically, right? Same way as like, you know, you know, come to women's branch. Like, why, why is it women's branch, right? Why can be like, come to this awesome, you know, marketer's branch, right? Like, again, it's, it's it, that clarification goes both ways, basically. Like, yep. don't, don't label stuff, right? If it's the right person to partner, partner, you know, if, and if you like them, like them, perfect, then date them too, you know? But then don't give them the job just because you date them. That's also wrong as well. So that's not going to serve anyone. I, I love that you said this about like the women's brunch thing. I'm totally going to fire off on this because this fires me up, right? If you're really good at what you do, don't limit what you do by defining it based on your sex or your location or like, don't be like, this is a brunch only for people in South Austin. Like, no, it's a brunch for people that do what? Like, what are you doing? Are we meeting up with, is it a social brunch? Is it a high achievers brunch? Is it a sales brunch? Is it a people that work in golf brunch? I don't know, whatever it is, make it based around that. Don't make it based about your gender or whatever. And the reason for that is you want to be known for being more than your gender. You want to be known for being more than your location of where you live. You want to be known for being good at what you do. Don't diminish it. And if you're like, yeah, well, you know, we don't have enough representation so we're all coming together. Great, but the better way for you to get representation, like for example, if if there were like if I wanted if I felt that sewing had too many women in it, right? And I was like, more men need to get into sewing, right? We're the ones damaging the clothes in the first place. We should be responsible for sewing our own clothes, right? If I uh, being a bit stereotypical, okay, but let's just imagine that's what it was. In this scenario, I wouldn't say we're going to make a men's club for sewing. We're going to get together and sew. I'm going to be like, dude. There's this really awesome sewing club and we should all go and be a part of it because there should be more men there and let's go and, and prove that we can do this too. That is not only better for us because we're getting to hang out with the people that clearly know what they're doing and they're amazing. We're also bringing the representation. We're, we're changing the demographic. We're showing in this group, it's not just a bunch of dudes sewing and now it's another dude group. We're a bunch of people who have joined the best sewing club and we're sewing because that's what it is. And you could remove the word sewing and it could be anything, racing, marketing, business, finance, it doesn't matter. If you want to bring people together, bring them together to the best thing and be part of the best thing. And that's a better way to go. Likewise, to, to bring it back, if I'm going to partner with somebody, I want to partner with them because I believe that they are the best. And like, I know for me in partnerships, I want to partner with people who are either someone that can do what I cannot do or someone that can do exactly what I can do, but I don't have the bandwidth to do both. So in that situation, I'm partnering with somebody who's like, dude, you are pretty much me, but I can't do what I'm doing in that. So how about you do that? Give me a piece of it and let me give you all my contacts, all my knowledge, all my everything and make you into a version of me that dominates that industry. And for me, that's kind of how I view a partnership. So weirdly, that's how I view you. You are me because you're an integrator and I'm an integrator, but you're also a visionary. 
Now, you don't believe in yourself, but you are. You're a visionary. I mean, you're a photographer. You're an artist. You've got the eye. You know what looks good. Like you I have two eyes. You have two eyes, right? <laughs> and, and and both are talented. So you've got that eye of what it takes to be to to build the vision. Um, and like I run every vision by you, not as an integrator. I run it by you as a visionary. And then afterwards. I get into the, the logic with you. But I think that's like one of the key components. In my company, I view you as the one thing that every business owner wants, which is a clone. I have another version of myself in you that I can, because we've spent 10 years together. You've been to every seminar I've been to. You know the knowledge I know. So it's like a secondary mental bank. I can be like, oh yeah, what happened on that thing? And you're like, it was this. I'm like, thanks. Um, but it enables us both to go and, and tackle and knock things out of the park. All right, so what would you say is, is the hardest part about working with your partner, with someone you're dating? Oh, I don't even know. Um, I mean, I like it. I, I don't really, you know, it, 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 all my previous jobs and stuff that I have as well too was like with people like I didn't have like romantic relationship, but I had like a really good friend relationship as well too, right? That's actually for me was very important in general. I prefer having good connections with people that I work with over the financial gain, basically, personally, right? Because it's more rewarding for me. It makes it more enjoyable, right? Than just paycheck, per se. Um, so the, the, the most difficult part about working with you... Um, no, I don't know, to be honest with you. Like, I struggle. Great. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, not for the partner. You personally, you're a bit visionary, so you zigzag quite fast. But again, I, I learned to pivot to adjust for it. But just that's your personality type. That doesn't have nothing to do with you being my partner, per se, basically, you know? So. Yeah, makes sense. Well, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, on the flip side, I, I would love to be like, oh, this is a problem, that is a problem. But I, I think this is just good for everyone in dating. I've learned to love all the things that other people would consider your flaws, right? So if someone made a list of, oh, these are all the things I think are wrong with you, everything on that list, I'm like, I won't change a thing. Like, well, again, it's good to channel those, right? Like, so yeah. if, if I'm too, you know, demanding, for example, right? Well, it's good. It's with attention to details, right? Directed in different ways, basically, right? Like, so well, put, I love it. put it where your flaws will be in your service benefits, I would say. But, but, and that's the thing, but I love that. Like, like what, what you describe as demanding or what other people describe as demanding, I like it because I, I tell people behind your back, I'm like, she holds me to a higher level of quality than I would normally hold myself. Like, I'll normally be like, oh, this doesn't matter. And you're like, it matters. I'm like, it matters. You know, like, but I like that because you hold me to a higher, a higher degree of quality. Yeah, exactly. So again, like kind of channel that in, right? If someone is lazy, for example, right? Like a good example you, you always say is that lazy people find how simplify the tasks so they don't have to spend too much time doing that basically, right? So channel that in instead of be like, oh, you lazy, don't work hard. Like, well, make, let them work smart because that's their strong suite. Yeah. And actually that, that's a really good point. I love that. It's worth if you're dating someone who you think is lazy, but at one point you dated them because you thought they were smart or talented or, or whatever it was, reach out to them and be like, how can I make this more efficient? Exactly. And, and they'll look at it and be like, oh, you don't need to do this. You cut this off. Oh, you know, if I did that, I'd do it with my eyes closed and this I'd be done. That, that's really cool skill. I, lo I love that analogy. So when you're with someone, there really shouldn't be any part of them that you're like, oh, I don't like this about them or I wish this would change. You should like them exactly as they are. And if not, and now I'm going to throw out the fact, remember I was a dating coach for many, many years and still am, you've got the wrong person. And that's just how it is. They're the wrong person. And no matter how much you want to believe they're not the wrong person, like, well, it's only this much I don't like about them. No, like, I love what people would consider her flaws. Like, I love it. it for me, it's perfect. And there are definitely times, and I'm sure it goes the other way as well, where you do something, I'm like, oh, fuck. 
<laughs> but I'm not upset about it. And secretly I'm laughing because I'm like, oh, I love it when she does this. You know, but publicly I'm like, oh no, this is terrible. <laughs> but then behind, you know, behind the door, I'm like, God, I love that she did that. Like, it was so funny, right? Because, because I just love that about you. And so, and I think it is important before you work with your partner, if you're going to build something together, make sure that you know that you two want to be together. If you've built something and you're bringing somebody in, make sure they're the right fit to come in before you bring them in and that they start at the lowest level and work their way up so you can get them out if need be. And if you're coming into somebody else's thing, make sure it's what you want to do and you're not doing it for them, you're doing it for you. Because I think that's another key component. Because if you do a job for your partner and you don't really care about it and you don't get any internal validation, that's also going to be a problem. Like, like Eve said, she does things for herself. And actually, I think a key point as well is like in our company, we have lanes. And I always say to people, stick to your lane. Eve has a lane and I have a lane. And one of the biggest issues we have with staff is when they try and change lanes to somebody else because they prefer the answer somebody else gives. So I know I'm a preference for people to come to because I'm always like, hey, what do you need? Let's help you out. But you will get blocked on anything that's in her lane. So if someone's like, I just need the dates for this thing, ask Eve. Like, yeah, but I know you have them, ask Eve. Yeah, but you can get it, ask Eve. And it's like, why? What they don't realize is what I'm really saying is, I don't want conflict in my relationship where she says, why are you giving out information? That's my lane, that's what I'm in charge of. So, so I own the lane. Now, if Eve repeatedly failed, if she didn't give them the information, then what I would actually do is sit down with her and say, hey, I don't think you can do this lane anymore. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's like, you know, hey, is that because you're around or you just hate Thank doing you. that, right? If you're around, let's hire someone else. If you hate doing that, let's hire someone else to do that, right? Like, yeah. It's ultimately that, right? Keep business a business and, and personal emotions are the personal emotions, basically, right? Like, so just because I, you know, the, your partner failed to do this X one thing doesn't mean like, oh, you're the bad partner, you know? No, it means, you know, that particular person failed to perform the task. Find out why, you know? Yeah. And, and so uh, that's versus uh, yell at them that they failed, you know? And on that point, and I think this is really important, remember there is salary and there is profit. It's okay for you to be a 50-50 profit share with your partner, even if they're not doing much work. And here's why. Both of you should be receiving the profit for doing no work. In a good company, the profit you get that is split 50-50, both of you should be sitting having Mai Tais on a beach somewhere. The work is paid on a salary. Meaning, if me and Eve are 50-50 in this company, but I never go to work and I just hang out with the kids all day, but she's in the office every day, she should be on a salary of about 250 grand a year to be in the office every day. And then at the end of the day, after everything's done, we'll split the profit 50-50. So she'll get 250 grand salary, plus 50% of profits. That should be the dream of every company. So it's okay if you're not doing the work. You don't do the work for profit, you do the work for a salary. Likewise, I mentioned earlier, in our company, when you sell something, you get commission, whether it's me or her. So if I sell something, I keep the commission. If she sells it, she keeps the commission. And that's another key component because it enables us, let's just invent a really silly business right now and we'll use 
silly math. Let's just say we're selling something for $10,000 and the cost to, to do anything is $5,000 and the commission is $1,000. Just to keep the math simple. It means that of every $10,000 sale, there is only $4,000 available as profit. $5,000 is the cost, $1,000 is the commission, leaving us four. So on a $10,000 sale, Eve would get $2,000 as a 50% partner, I would get $2,000 as a 50% partner, $5,000 would be used as costs, of which Eve might receive $2,500 as her salary. And then there is $1,000 for the commission. If Eve made the commission, she gets that $1,000. So out of the $10,000, she gets $2,500 as her salary for doing the job, $1,000 for the commission, putting her at $3,500, and an extra $2,000 putting her at $5,500. I would get $2,000 and somebody else in our company or the other team would get the other $2,500. When you structure your business correctly, you don't have conflict. I, I don't have to work to get the profit because that's what it is, it's profit. In the same way, and I'll finish on this point because I think it's important, I own Facebook shares. But if Mark Zuckerberg turns up at my door and asks me why I haven't done any work to receive the profits I'm getting from them, we're gonna have an issue. Because I don't work for my profit of the shares that I own. Likewise, in our company, I do not work to receive the profit of the shares that I own. It's a gift. I choose to work in it because it's fun. And when I work, I get paid a salary or an amount of money for doing the work, but it's separate from the profit that I receive. So Eve, if people want to learn more about you specifically, how can they find you? Please don't find me. I'm a private person. <laughs> <laughs> Go through him. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So there you have it. If you want to talk to her, the lane is through me. Um, <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening to uh, Smart Businesses Do This. Thanks again, Eve. Thank you so much Perfect. for joining us. Thank you. <laughs>